Good morning, Brittany. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm awesome now that we're chatting. I am so excited about this podcast. I've been so thrilled to actually have an opportunity to chat with you. You and I have known each other a few years. I'd say essentially your whole life. And I'm going to give you an opportunity for those who don't know you to explain sort of what you've done and where you are today. But I have so much respect and admiration for who you are as a woman, who you are and were as a younger girl, and the discipline and the drive that you have. So I celebrate you. Thank yeah. you. So tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and sort of your career in sports, if you don't mind. We'll start there. Yeah, of course. So I'm a two-time Olympic swimmer and Olympic bronze medalist. Um, my first Olympic Games I went to at the end of high school. So um, kind of those transformative years in your life. And then I ended up going to university in the U.S. at the University of Georgia. Uh, had an incredible time as an NCAA athlete. And then I finished my career at the 2016 Olympic Games, uh, kind of at the end of my college chapter. Uh, so yeah, then since I, I mean, I retired from sport, which is a crazy word to use because I was only about 22 years old, but in my sport, that was kind of the way it went. There was no, um, you know, financial implications. If you kept going, there wasn't really a way to make a living. I was starting to look at what else was out there and what else I was passionate about. So between injuries and my mental health and, uh, kind of just like building for my future, it felt like the right time. Um, so I transitioned out of sport, uh, yeah, about 22 years old, which is Crazy wow. And on. just 22 years young. And that's yes. the thing is what you accomplished in 22 years, some people don't even accomplish or touch in a lifetime. And that's why, you know, one of the many reasons uh, you're on and we're, we're chatting is there's so many young girls. You touched on so many important topics I can't wait to, to jump into. And the one thing I'm going to say, and I don't know if you can hear me perfectly or not, but I just, if you can speak a little bit louder, I would so appreciate that. I think we've got technical issues. I always say technology is either your best friend or your worst nightmare when it comes to things, <laughs> you know, going right or a little bit of hiccups. Uh, just because everything you say, girls and women are going to hang on to because so many young girls, this is their dream. And it doesn't matter what sport they're in. So I guess I want to know, I have so many questions, but I'm going to start off by saying, what do you feel sports in general does for girls, for their confidence, for, like you said, in the formative years? What do you feel? It Really, it does everything. Um, I believe in the power of sport and from every angle. I think sport has the ability to put you in a situation at a young age to challenge yourself, to learn discipline and time management, but it also like the people skills, the working with other people, the having to be a part of a team that, you know, it might not be all of your very best friends on this, you know, group and, and having to, it's taught me a lot about transitioning into the workforce and having to be a part of, you know, one common goal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm so grateful because it made me a morning person. So I'm up at, you know, 6 a.m. no matter what. Um, I can get accomplished things in the morning. I, I think no matter, honestly, of course, I was chasing Olympic dreams. And so it's easier for me to sit here and say, you know what, I achieved that and I did it. So looking back, it's easy to say it was worth it. But I tell any parent that'll listen, of course, I've never been there yet. I um, I hope to one day, but I, I cannot speak to what it's like as a parent. But what I can speak to from the other side was having opportunities that I was able to chase. I think one of the best things my parents ever did for me is they put me in 
you know, every sport and let me find swimming. They put me in every challenge and let me chase it myself. And there was never pressure to perform from their end. I put a lot of pressure on myself, but I think that like teaching myself uh, through the trials and tribulations and the challenges, it was everything. And it's what I take into the person and the woman I am today. I love that. So you're going to make me cry off my eyelashes. So for those of you who don't know the fact that I love your parents to death and we have a very long history together. I remember, you know, going outside and, and, and seeing the van drive away at like 5 a.m. And there goes the girls, you know, swim mom, whatever. And you're right. It's a big dedication from parents. And the fact that you're able to now sort of thank them, I think is just so beautiful. And again, speak so much about the type of person that you are, because it is a big dedication from parents. But, you know, uh, the fact that I have four kids, I always asked parents whose kids turned out well and, you know, mm-hmm. disciplined and confident. And, you know, nobody goes unscathed. I don't care who you are. Right. There's always going to be, you know, it's life. There's challenges but, and struggles. But they always talked about organized sports. And like you said, giving them that opportunity not only to uh, be excel or to become an Olympian, but it is building the camaraderie of friends. It is about teaching them other life skills. Don't you agree with that? Because I think that's sort of what you're saying as well. It really taught you so much. Yeah. And I think, yeah, like the the discipline is one thing to say, oh yeah, you have to, you know, get up and work hard. But you know, it was expected of us to show up to every practice. And so to have to learn that at 13 and 14 years old. And I remember, you know, my parents one day I would be having, you know, a bit of a breakdown because of an injury or I was going through something and I was feeling challenged. And my mom would just say, you know, well, why don't you just, you don't have to go to practice or like even right before the Olympic games one day, she told me like, you just quit. And I remember saying, I was like, mom, I'm not going to quit. But in that moment, she wanted me to see like I am her daughter first and the athlete second and I had these dreams that I was chasing but it was up to me to chase them and they knew as much as I could be supported you know I had to make those decisions on my own and as in terms of working with other people um and and especially when I was a full-time student athlete like I chased both Olympic dreams as a full-time student so um, having to balance the, you know, chaotic life of a, of an, a, a college athlete, a university uh, bound athlete who I had a minimum course load I had to hit every semester. There was no taking the easy way out. There was no, you know, yeah, slacking off for a few months. Like it yeah. was constant and you had to keep up with it or else there was really no other option. And, you know, you, again, I I'm, was going to take notes. I'm like, forget it because everything you say, I hope those that are watching are going to hang on to some of these words. Um, Having the boys in rep hockey, I see and I've witnessed parents being so incredibly hard on their children and they come out in tears and they come out probably hating the sport, quite frankly, because there's so much pressure. Not only, like you said, I know as an athlete and the discipline that you have to have within, but then you get it from the coach. You would figure or you would hope that your safe place is your is your folks or your parent or, or your guardian, whoever that is, and how beautiful that you had that sort of safe place or that safe place where it was like, listen, I can just be Brittany, I can just be myself, and I don't have to perform and I don't have to do 
you know, anything. They're always going to love me. They're always going to stand by me. I think that that is, you know, worth its weight in gold. And then you go on to say about the mental health piece and sort of what you put onto yourself. Um, it, can we talk about that for a little bit? Absolutely. So I, I can't imagine what it's like. I mean, I can imagine and I know a little bit, but what is that like to have to, and again, I know a lot of it is you putting it onto yourself mm -hmm. because you want to excel in many things. Was that really hard on you as a, as a, as a young woman? I would think so. Yeah, for sure. And my journey through my mental health has been, you know, a roller coaster as most of ours is. I think, again, talking about back to family, I've always been in a space where it was safe to talk about within our family and our household. And for that, I'm really grateful. But I think with me it was actually later in my career, which often is the case for a lot of athletes. It's almost like by the time they realize something's wrong, it's almost too late in that sense. Not that it's too late to ever, you know, move forward, but it's, it's once you've already struggled and once you're in the thick of it and once you're at that, like some sort of bottom or hitting kind of a, a plateau. And for me, it was actually when I realized I was struggling, the most of my mental health was at the Rio Olympics. And I went to those Olympics with a lot of expectation and without going into, you know, really fine details that the 2012 Olympics, everything was new and shiny. I was 18. I was going personal best times every time I swam. Um, my older sister, Heather, was at the Olympics with me. We were riding this like absolute high and uh, I hadn't really been through a ton yet in the sport to knock me down. Um, I hit my first really serious injury right after that. And I, the last, the next four years in between were, were heavy, but they were filled with other success. And then for that, I'm really grateful. By the time Rio came around, I was in the best shape physically I've ever been. I was what I thought was more prepared than I've ever been. Um, but I cared so much about what I knew I was capable of achieving that I think there's this balance for a lot of athletes on um, how badly you want to succeed and fearing failure. And there's, it's a very fine line because you can have these expectations in your mind of what you know you're capable of. And it very, like, it starts to push down on you of, okay, like if I don't, I wanted more than anything to be an Olympic medalist. And I thought it could happen in four, potentially four different events that I was going to swim at the Olympics. And the very first day, you know, I started my first race and something just felt off. Um, and I later, you know, five days later, I ended up winning a medal in the relay, but it was not the way I envisioned it. I was incredibly physically sick at the time. And I think my body had just completely given out on me. It held it together. Again, this is for a whole other, uh, a whole other chat down the road, but in what I wanted to kind of finish with in this moment, once I realized I was struggling the most was when I held my Olympic medal and I so vividly remember I called my mom that night and I, I saw them, luckily they were there cheering me on, which was great, but I was holding my medal and I remember looking down on it. And this was the one thing I wanted my entire life. I mean, you say entire life, but I was only 22 years old. And so you're chasing something that you think is going to present you this value and this purpose. And then I looked at it and I was like, yeah, this is special, but it didn't give me the satisfaction that I think I thought it might. And it didn't, you know, change who I was and it didn't uh, bring me this unsurmountable amount of joy. It was just, it was. And so I think I said to my mom in that moment, I was like, mom, I don't think I'm, and not that everyone has to feel elation at a medal, but um, 
I was like, mom, I don't think I'm doing very well, like mentally. And I remember she just said, she's like, nope, you're not, but I, I needed you to get there on your own kind of thing. And like, I, of course, you know, we're here to help you all the time, but it was up to me to kind of come for the, okay, I need, I need some more help. And I was always in and out of seeing different therapists and working on my mental health. But I think that was my like aha moment of saying uh-huh. like, I can't hold this together too much longer riding the wave that I'm currently riding. Wow. And I can't hold my tears together for this whole uh, episode. I don't think either because how profound, like you said, you like it is your entire life. And you yeah. know, it doesn't matter how old you were, you wanted it, but that was your moment where it's like, okay, I made it. I did what I wanted to do. Like you said, not exactly the way you, you envisioned it, but it, that was the moment. And so having that profound moment did you come to realize or did you know at that point it wasn't about the external influences so whether it's the medals the accolations the awards the press it was really about how you felt inside right was that the moment or did you say look i don't know what it is but i need help the fact that you said you needed help as i said i wish and i hope anybody listening can do the same because it it's just it's life changing i would assume and again everybody has something we all need help sometimes you know people need more help than others at different stages in our lives but the fact that you were able to reach out so was it at that moment that you realized you needed to do something inside or you just realized i did it and i still don't feel better yeah i think it was like two two sides to me one was acceptance um of the achievement because i think when i went home a lot of a lot of everyone's hard on themselves but especially athletes that you know you're so goal oriented and numbers are all very finite and you know exactly you can compare yourself to a previous version of yourself very easily and so when i was going through this i remember coming home and everyone i had this olympic medal now and everyone wanted to celebrate me and that was such an honor. I was, I was overjoyed at the amount of support I had, but it was an internal struggle of like, well, I feel like I failed. And now all these people want to celebrate my achievement. And I was going to this Olympics thinking like I could come home with a couple medals and I wanted to set all these personal best times and leave feeling good about myself. And I just didn't. And so from a results-based standpoint, it was that I changed my mentality to allowing this support for sure. But then also instead of looking at this Olympic medal of, okay, it was that one moment, because that one moment to me didn't mean what I wanted it to. I looked at it as my career as accumulation. I looked at it as everything I worked for. I looked at it as, you know, all of those little records along the way and those moments that, you know, slip through the fingertip, through the cracks, if you don't hold on to them. I was able to full circle. I looked at my career and said, I earned an Olympic medal doing what I did. Now on that day, did I feel like a proud Olympic medalist, probably not. But the every year that goes by, every young kid that gets to hold my medal, every time I share um, kind of my journey or my story with other people, it gains value. And so for me, I was able to flip the script on that specific kind of moment. Um, but then on the big picture, of course, I I was like, okay, this is a really good time. I'm starting a new chapter in my life. I think it's uh, I started a different therapy program. I kind of checked myself into a new mentality of like what does like being more intentional I guess about my mental health journey because 
it was very easy for me to put it uh, to the side and I decided, you know what, this can't sit on the side any longer. And I, I wanted so badly to be one of those people. Swimming gave me everything. I knew this was probably the last uh, competition of my career. And so I wanted more than anything to leave on my own decision, my own terms. Mm. And in doing that, I wanted to be able to continue to stay involved in the sport and to be able to continue to impact athletes. And I knew if I left it hating it and left it resenting it, I wouldn't be able to do that. And so it was really important to me to start right away of changing that mindset around to realize everything I had been through, it, it made sense. It lined up. I mean, unfortunately, everything about mental health never really makes sense, but um, it doesn't. Every- I don't think in the moment it does. Yes. But, you know, you touched on, you know, I, I'm sort of scribbling notes here. Say, you know, you talk about um, mindfulness. And like you said, I love the fact, and this is so incredibly important to athletes, especially, um, is to sort of look at the small wins. And a lot of the time, like you say, we don't look at that. But it's really important to say, and for people to know what you did, is that you were able to reflect and sort of live in gratitude. But I feel like, too, you know, you did flip the script and it's just a whole different story. But when you're in it and in the thick of things, I think, you know, you talk about being mindful and also living in gratitude for the small wins, I think Mm -hmm. will help, you know, sort of the up and coming athletes as well. Do you think that that would have made a difference? Like if and again, you're, you were so young. I mean, how do we even know, you know, there's hormonal changes, there's this changes, there's a pressure you put on yourself, you're away from home, you're doing school, you're, you know, you're so incredibly busy, right? And then you actually take a time to, like you said, to reflect on yourself. And that's where it kind of hit you and said, you know what, I need to step back and, and care for me. But do you think like just sort of giving tips to the up and coming younger athletes, do you feel that sort of living for those small wins is a really good thing that they can do. Yeah. And I, I constantly kind of, that's how I got through a lot of injuries and and smaller hurdles in my career, because it is so easy to get weighed down by, um, yeah, like I, I tore my labrum in my shoulder. And so you're riding and I, I did that right after the Olympic Games. So talk about riding that high and then you're kind of brought down to reality and every day can look very minute if you let it, I think. And, you know, going to um, do therapy and rehab and going through the same, I did the same exercises every day. And I always say that I have no idea if those shoulder exercises are what made me better. But what I do know is that I had to be able to look back and know I did those exercises every day and I put myself in a position to get healthy. And so I take the mental side just the same, like whether it is like uh, talking to a therapist, whether it is working on the strategies that you've taken from Maybe it is your, you know, your favorite wellness uh, website, or maybe it is reading a book or taking a podcast. I know um, meditation works really well for everyone, but those like small wins, because I think our lives get so busy and people like neglect things that they know are really important for them. But that was absolutely like one day when I would go in after an injury and I did like a really strong leg workout because my arms weren't that great, but I could be proud of like the, the thing I could do. So instead of focusing on the fact of what I hadn't done, I tried to, as many days as I could, obviously it's easier said than done, but as many days as I could, it was finding those positives of being proud of yourself for Mm -hmm. little wins. And some days my win was, I was just smiling on the pool deck or some days my win was seeing my teammate and sharing a giggle in the locker room. Like it wasn't always massive accomplishments, but it's what got me through every day. 
And I love that. And, you know, I, I just want to go back to something, and I think Nike got it perfect. Just do it. Um, you know, sometimes when you're in the thick of a mental health uh, issue, situation, struggle, obstacle, whatever we'd like to call it, just getting up and putting your two feet on the ground and being grateful, like you said, to share a giggle, to be able to get out of bed and, and to show up, right, mm -hmm. I think is so incredibly important. And to show up, especially on the days you don't want, you really do not want to show up. I think those are the days that you're sort of talking about now is the fact that I showed up. That was a huge win because there's many people, sadly, that maybe don't have the family support that you had or have the mm -hmm. teammates or the friends or the sister um, that was able to support you during those times. And again, I, I don't know or, or speak to it knowingly. Um, maybe they don't have that. And so do you have a tip for those girls that maybe don't have the support? Because my thing when I, when I, and I do work with a lot of athletes, is the fact of just doing it and doing it when you really don't want to. But what would your sort of professional advice to them be? Yeah, I think, um, I think it's, it's such an individual path, but I think we can all find commonalities. Like, for example, there's uh, some people like to turn to a coach. Others like have the parent. Other people have the teammates. Um, find, I always tell young kids, like find what works for you. For If mm -hmm. your teammates are what motivate you to get to the pool every day, awesome. If your teammates are what keep you going, like that's great. Like lean into that, uh, hold each other accountable, get each other excited. Like I was always the one to lead the, the team cheer and to want to feel that camaraderie because to me it meant something. And you could see the contagious energy when you were able to bring uh, your best self to a group. And I always, my, my favorite kind of lesson I learned in university was, you know, we were a women's swim team. Uh, there was a men's team too, but they were separate programs. And our women's swim team was built of, as you can imagine, 18 to 21 year old women, all very different in personality, all very different in what they're going through in life, all very different interests and needs and desires and what they are passionate about. But we had this common goal. And there was always that one person that needed to be kind of like, cheered on the side of the deck, like, rah, rah, this is great. And then another teammate, you know, I just go for coffee with them after and have a more like intimate conversation. And another teammate, we might like study together on a Sunday because their schoolwork was a really big priority and something they needed a lot of like a little bit of an extra assist with. And so just finding the different things that worked for different people. I think there's so many resources at our fingertips now. And I don't take that for granted. I know not, it doesn't work for everyone, but for example, like Last night, um, I had a bit of a stressful day at work and um, my fiance, when we got home, we did like a little, it was like a four minute meditation. And I am not very good at meditations, but it was just him being like, let's just see if it helps you kind of keep uh, kind of grounded and mindful. And that was, a, it was a YouTube free video, obviously. So I think right. for everyone, whether you can, um, I know therapy is very expensive, so it's not necessarily at the fingertips, but I think we now have, you know, there's books, there's uh, videos. There are people you can talk to in your personal life. I also share my story mostly because I think it puts people in a position to be vulnerable themselves. And in turn, I've had a lot of people um, that I can go to and vice versa. So that feels safe coming to me and that I feel like I could go to if there was something happening. So I think I that opens that. up a whole new conversation and that's something we need to continue to do. Absolutely. I think this is like a five-part series because you touch on vulnerability and 
I think being vulnerable, you know, in your wellness journey is key. And as you know, Brene Brown, who I love immensely, she sort of has it down to a science and everything that she studied. And I think like what you said, being vulnerable, but also getting the support. We do have a ton of resources. You're right. It's extremely expensive, but there are things that you can do. But so you're saying really the tools in your toolbox, whatever they may be, find out what works for you. And mm -hmm. I love the tips on like the free YouTube videos and, and whatnot. That's awesome. And it really, I love the fact too, that you touch on elevation and empowerment because as women, you know, and I'm talking decades ago, you, I don't even think you were here. So, well, no, actually, because you're 29 now, right? I think I'm about to be 30. Yeah, a couple weeks. Oh, yes, I know that. I know that. Um, so I, I know like when your birthday is, I mean, but. Uh, I was going to say, don't I share a birthday with one of the boys? I, you're, what are you, the March third? 3rd. Third, yeah. yeah, and that, no, so, okay. uh, and because Heather's April 1st, so I think yeah. it's April 3rd one. It's just gotcha. same day, okay. different, whatever. Right. So yeah, close, we're all in the same thing. So you talk about like the elevation, the empowerment, which I, and I love what you're doing. Please never stop doing that. I know you're passionate about it and we so need each other as women and, you know, girls, I know a lot of them look up to you. I'm going to ask you two quick questions because sadly our time is coming to an end and I know you're super busy and I really do appreciate your time. I do want to ask you, um, I get a lot of questions and, I, and you may as well about the negative outside influences. Um, and I always, you know, my sort of non-negotiable healthy boundary is I don't really, I don't let that sort of come into my space. And it's easy for me to say because I've had decades of doing the work and, you know, putting up the armor when that comes in. But as a young person, um, as a younger person, and I got to be honest with you, it still sometimes can take an effect on you because you're out there doing these great things. And, you know, mostly I'm sort of alluding to social media and it, it's so sad what it's doing um, to girls and to our future athletes and to our future leaders. And so do you have any sort of, I'm sure again, this is the whole podcast for another time, but do you mm -hmm. have any tips or any sort of thing that you could tell people and um, how they can deal with it if, if that's coming at them? Yeah, I think the social media conversation is is a challenging one from my end because I, you know, when I was in those transformative years of my life, it wasn't quite there yet. It wasn't necessarily on the platform that it currently is. I mean, I think I was in university when Instagram became a thing. And so there wasn't this access to the comparative culture, I think, that we're currently seeing right now, especially in, in young girls and young women. Um, the one thing is... In one sense, it's an incredible tool. I think there's people that can feel a part of something. There's a community, there's an acceptance. There's, I think like a world where it can really do beautiful things. I think people feel this, uh, this part of something, this connection. I could, you know, share something on my socials and someone um, in another, on the other side of Canada or in another country could be like, wow, that really, you know, made my day. And so the, the potential within it, I think excites me. Um, the good in it, the but, good in it, of course. And right. there, there's always good in it. I'm more sort of alluding yeah. to the negativity because yes, there's so much. And talk about yes. mental health. Um, I do a big thing with Bell Let's Talk. And uh, a lot of it is sort of how they're receiving these 
messages and they're not nice messages, right? No. Because back in the day you'd get bullied, let's say in the schoolyard and then you got to come home and that was your safe haven. When you've got one of these and it continues to go on. Yeah. I yeah. can't imagine. So. Yeah. I think the, the, you know, speaking to it, I think the, the hate is loud, is always louder. I think it always feels heavier. I think just from like a, I'm really passionate about like kind of holding my, my moral compass. So for me, whether it's like a challenge at work or a challenge with an individual or something I'm going through, I always come back to, um, I show up the same person to you on this call, to my partner in the day, uh, to my colleagues at, in, in the office. Like I just try to present myself in the same way I'd want to be presented. And I think all we can do individually is continue to show up as that version of who we would want to be and how we would want to be treated. Mm -hmm. I think the hate rings loud. And I think the really tricky part is it can hit you. Like I, I am, I'm a victim to it. There's some days where I read something that I'm like, oof, that, that stung a little, or, oh, I didn't really need to hear that. But when people, I call them, you know, the finger warriors, so the things that people say online um, are things that they probably wouldn't have the guts to say out loud. And I think mm -hmm. when you think a lot of it comes to, um, I always try to tell you yourself, like, they're jealous. That not, not that, like, it's always this immediate jealousy, but if there's ever something that really hurts you, think, you know, I'm. they're taking the time to comment, to share, to yes. say something um, connected to you if it is something personal. And so if you take one step back from that and think about it, it's like, they obviously cared enough to write this because they were viewing something or watching something or, you know, soaking in something that you did. And so to think about that first and to also just continue to never let it impact you the way you, I would always say, don't ever stoop low, don't stoop low because others have stooped low. And so try to hold your barriers yeah. where you can. And that is so important. You know, Gary V sort of said something that stuck with me many years ago. And he's like, you know, don't lead, like, first of all, I don't give it any attention, um, but it's easier said than done sometimes. Um, but you kind of have to lead with empathy. And that's what I tell a lot of uh, my clients and people that come to me, is that if you lead with empathy to think that person took 30 seconds or five minutes or two hours out of their life, their precious life, to actually give you mm -hmm. something negative can we just, like you said, flip the script and say they must be really hurting internally yeah. to, to actually say that. And that, that, that is what has really helped a lot of people. But I love mm -hmm. the fact about, you know, your moral compass, know who you are, know how you show up. And I think a lot of that, though, comes with experience and comes with age. It's, it's hard for young people. And, uh, you know, I think just to continue to talk about it is so incredibly mm -hmm. important and the fact that you advocate for all of this. So sadly, we have to sign off in a moment, but I'm going to ask my ever-loving question. You know the title of our uh, brand, I Am Unbreakable. I'm just going to ask you, when you think of the word unbreakable, what does that mean to you? Truly, to me, it just the the opportunities are endless. The ability to chase dreams is is never ending. I think when I was young, like I said, I I reached the pinnacle. I I achieved my lifelong dream at 18 years old, and I think sometimes, you know, you take that one step and be like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. But then the rest of my life, it's a little bit of like, now what? Um, yeah. And so having to start life in a, in a whole different perspective since I've been on the other side, no longer an athlete, I think continuously keeping that mindset of 
chasing dreams, of knowing I'm capable, of knowing I deserve a seat at the table, of knowing there's nothing that I can't achieve if I set my mind to it. Obviously, you know, if you want to become a doctor, you need a degree in the right space. And if you want to be an engineer, you need, but like for me truly um, in my career standpoint, to me being unbreakable and in my personal life, like I can just continue to push. I can continue to chase and knowing that whatever feels heavy in one individual day will feel light the following. And so always know that that perspective will ground you back to where you need to be. I love that. And you know what? You are so beyond awesome. And I want to sum up, make sure I got it right. I think what you're really saying as well is resilience. Because when I look at you and I see your your career and what you've accomplished, I see courage. I see resilience. I see fearlessness. But I also see mindfulness and the ability to have an open mind, which is absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time and big love to you. And we will hopefully have part two. Of course. Thanks, Adrian. Thank you. Chat soon.